and welcome to Belly Research Facts. Belly Research Facts is a facts-based show Belly brought to you by Artnav Das, a content arts and events company based in India. The show is a trip down dissection lane of words. Every episode, Ragini and Meeshar choose one word and deep dive into it. Every interesting fact we can find we research somewhat casually um and bring to you pairing it with some good humor and casual chat between two friends. We've got a fact pack season 2. with the usual great facts good chat and we've thrown in a ton of guests this season but well, i say a ton i mean more than last season <laughs> and i hope you've been listening because we've really enjoyed it um and also it brings you facts with that expert edge hey so today's episode today is the 26th of november we're aware at brf ragini do you know today's 20 yes, undisputed yes, yes. we right. just found so 3 day yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've done this quite a few times this <laughs> this intro itself i think is the length of an episode if we left it unedited <laughs> we won't do that to you anyway so 3 days ago it was the 23rd of november great maths there <laughs> it was um, fibonacci day does that ring a bell that word well it's named after um the day is named after fibonacci the sequence and um it's a series of numbers where the sum of the previous two numbers gives us the number following thereby creating a series so you know if i have not explained that clearly enough let's get an example <laughs> <laughs> so the fibonacci sequence would be 0 1 1 2 3 5 five and then i can't do any more maths after that but you get the meaning you get what i mean yeah. <laughs> basically uh-huh. start with zero and one and then carry on adding the numbers through and then it creates the sequence so november 23rd is an important day for the fibonacci sequence uh because when written in the month date format which is confusing for indians and where i live right now in the uk um but not for americans <laughs> and it's important for fibonacci day because it's it's 1 1 2 3 there we go i won't belabor the point <laughs> <No>. <laughs> while you're busy while you're busy uh, commiserating with us that you didn't celebrate fibonacci day enough welcome to the 10th episode <laughs> of our second season here at wow. brf i know 10 episode. episodes yeah. jagani okay well that just took me by surprise <laughs> <laughs> this episode we've chosen the word number simple creatures again we've said it once we'll say it again we're not complicated so <laughs> in this episode somehow we're back on the topic of cults favorite topic for most people around um wait to have, find out how we've managed this all i'll say is that the connection with cults it has something to do with a right triangle some real some misattributed discoveries if you're guessing tesla you're guessing wrong and vegetarians who weren't really vegetarians which is a tale as old as time <laughs> <laughs> um we also obviously talk about the fibonacci sequence thankfully it won't be me it'll be ragini who has done her research <laughs> barely Much um research. and <laughs> how it came how it came to be what it is and why the golden ratio might not be the all pervasive standard code for all of nature's beauty which we've all heard i think and finally a prime conspiracy uncovered wait for that till the end enjoy wow. <laughs> Wow, it really sounds like we have a super interesting episode. Given for two people who have no clue about what numbers really mean, we've done a good job, I have to say. <laughs> I like that you spoke for me there, but you know, friend of Listen, 15 plus years. Listen, you calculated up to five. I get it. I think case was made. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so I'm gonna. Okay, so starting off, before we begin, just because I feel like we just need to explain this a little bit, since we, you know, we based this whole episode around Fibonacci Day, which clearly means so much to us. Uh, I'm gonna explain a little bit about what you know. So Charles explained what the sequence is, right? Like she's told you how kind of how the Fibonacci sequence has come to be. Um, uh, but honestly, like I think this was really something I just came to understand myself, like now in the research of this episode. Uh, but what I did find out is that mathematicians love Fibonacci numbers. Uh, and, you know, so I was watching a couple of videos because a lot of it is, it's a difficult concept. Like, well, the Fibonacci concept itself is not too, super hard to understand. But some of the things around it can get a bit complicated, especially if you're not someone from that world, in my opinion. I don't know, somebody might be listening to this podcast and be like, what? It's so simple. Uh, <laughs> but it took me a bit. <laughs> But okay, so apparently, uh, the reason why people, like mathematicians love this number is because it just, Fibonacci numbers, the individual numbers themselves, have a habit of popping up significantly all over nature. So if it's the number of petals in a flower, which could be eight, which is, you know, the Fibonacci number after five, or the number of spirals in a sunflower, which is 34, uh, which is also a Fibonacci number. So a lot of these, these Fibonacci numbers just seem to show up in different places in nature. Okay, so that's one cool thing. But also, when you square individual Fibonacci numbers, yeah, so if you square one, square one is one, and then square two, and square two is two, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, the pattern not, so the pattern will continue, the same Fibonacci pattern continues, okay? But what also happens is that when you add these squared numbers in consecutive pairs, the resulting numbers, so for example, if you have, you know, the square would be one, uh, so it'd be 1, 4, 9, etc., etc., right? Because you've squared the, the the numbers in the sequence. Are you following me? I'm, I'm hoping people are going Yeah, yeah. To it's a, no, this isn't complicated. This isn't, I don't okay. find it complicated yet. Super. <laughs> yet. Uh, but basically, when you add this, so what happens is that the numbers that you get as, as a result of these additions are all consecutive multiplications of consecutive Fibonacci numbers. Now, to explain that, basically... Uh, like I, uh, I'm gonna actually, you know what, I'm it. not gonna even, yeah, I am powering through it, but I won't power through it because I have a great video that will do so much better a job of explaining this than I am because honestly, I just cannot. <laughs> I've tried my best to put the numbers down and everything, but it's, you need to yeah. see it to be, to understand it. Uh, it's a great thing, yeah. I promise you. Yeah, it's in the blog notes, <laughs> yeah, so check it out. <laughs> I love it. My no, honestly, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm very visual as well, so yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, because you do, like, honestly, because I was reading it for the longest time and I just couldn't understand it. And then I saw this video and I was like, oh, it all makes sense. And now I feel like I can explain it. But uh, I clearly spoke too soon for that too. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, okay. So what I'm going to try, though, is to, okay, I'm going to still try and explain something of this, okay? So now if you were to divide these squared Fibonacci numbers, right? We talked about the squared Fibonacci numbers, 1, 4, etc., etc., by the smaller consecutive number, so 4 is divided by 1, etc., okay, the resulting answers that you get are, it's closer to this number, which is 1.618033, which is the golden ratio, okay, and the higher you go in the Fibonacci sequence, the closer these results come to this golden number. Right, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So this happens when do, you square yeah. the number. Okay, so basically, and this this number is that is the famous golden ratio that we've all heard about. People talk about it like it's the you know it's the epitome of all of anything 
aesthetically beautiful follows the golden ratio the golden mm. ratio is apparently credited to also be nature's secret code for all that is perfectly beautiful so right from facial aesthetics you have actresses and you know and actors that were uh, gauged on the basis of the facial beauty uh, and just like you know if you have to calculate who is the most beautiful of them all like the closest to your face comes to the golden ratio in terms of its proportions but also like apart from that the pyramids of giza yeah so i was reading this and i was like you know super cool right like it does sound great but i'm also just thinking is it really true like okay you've just so, set it up and now you're smashing it with a hammer <laughs> yeah but, but, but is it obviously like isn't it a bit too good to be true it just feels like it's too perfect and i yeah, yeah i mean you know you I, know me the thing i'm, is I'm that, a born skeptic <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, i think like i human beings just look for patterns everywhere so i just assume like yeah, yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah Yeah. yeah yeah i think everyone believe you. And, and if you have this this lovely little theory wrapped in a bow presented to you why wouldn't you just take it you know Uh, yeah, exactly. You will so not take here, it because I'm I'm around to make sure that you don't take it. <laughs> yeah. So you got the gullible and the skeptic. <laughs> Go on, skeptic. The first thing to debunk is that the sequence was not originally Fibonacci. In fact, his name was also not Fibonacci in the first place. Okay. So the the Italian mathematician who we now call Leonardo Fibonacci was born around 1170, and he was originally called Leonardo of Pisa. And in the 19th century, historians came up with the nickname Fibonacci, which basically meant son of Bonacci, of the Bonacci clan, sorry, to distinguish him from another very famous Leonardo, who was Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, also, Leonardo of Pisa did not actually discover the sequence. It was originally discovered in ancient Sanskrit texts that used the Hindu-Arabic numerical system, which is the system that we use now when you write 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Okay. Because at the time... Mm-hmm. in europe the greeks were using alphabets or like just shapes uh the romans were using you know the famous roman numbers that we've all learned in school yeah. and but these sanskrit texts first mention it in 200 bc so they predate leonardo of pisa by centuries <laughs> but in 1202 leonardo of pisa published this book called liber abaci which was about which which you know had which gave an example which used the fibonacci sequence but in general this book was meant to introduce uh it was meant for traders it was useful to track profits losses loan balances etc because he was basically laying out the foundation of the hindu numeric the hindu arabic numeral system which was yeah. so this was the first time that was being brought to the western world and we can thank him greatly for that or if you're not still writing in roman numbers all over the place so basically in this book now one of the places is he introduces this problem involving some rabbits and rabbits reproducing uh anyway long story short it seems that this formula that he used for this rabbit problem is what is now known as a fibonacci sequence okay right so yeah so liber abaci first introduced the sequence to the western world but barring these few paragraphs about the you know the the breeding of rabbits he really doesn't mention the sequence again in fact it it was only in the 19th century when mathematicians worked out more about the sequence mathematical properties and in 1877 french mathematician edward lucas officially named the rabbit problem uh the fibonacci sequence <laughs> yeah. all right so now there There's a mathematician at Stanford University. Uh his name is Keith Devlin. He's also the author of Finding Fibonacci: The Quest to Re- Rediscover the Forgotten Mathematical Genius Who Changed the World. So he says that basically 
the Fibonacci sequence shows up in a few places in nature. Yeah, it does. It's very cool. But it's not some massive secret code that governs the architecture of the universe. Okay? Mm. It is true that the Fibonacci sequence is closely connected to what is now what we know as the golden ratio uh, and all that, which also apparently has its own, you know. Uh, but what I think he's, he's trying to say is that it's a massive oversimplification, that it shows up in a few places. And because it just captures mm. the imagination at large, people have just like attributed it to everything. So the golden yeah. ratio will manage to capture, like, you know, you do see it in the number of petals in a plot, for example, or the, or the you know, the, the spirals of a pine cone and all of that is there. But as many things that show Fibonacci numbers and, you know, work according to the Fibonacci sequence, there are equal number of things that also don't. And they don't kind of, you know. Uh, and what he basically says that it's, it's not God's only rule for not for growing things. That's his, yeah. his very succinct way of putting it. All this that we're also talking about, which is like, you know, these things do kind of, I mean, if you had to kind of find connections, you can, you know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, this thing of it being all pervasive seems to be not as true. Uh, but wow. it does seem like okay. there was a book in 1855 written by a German psychologist called Adolf Zeising, and he called it uh, aesthetic research. So he claimed that the proportions of the human body were based on the golden ratios. In mm. subsequent years, it kind of started, to, you know, there was these golden triangles and golden rectangles and all sort of theories about these iconic dimensions of the Pyramid of Giza and the Parthenon and Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian Man, which is also supposed to follow this, you know, this ratio very closely. Yeah. And yes, there are, there are these claims of it, you know, this ratio being the most pleasing aesthetically to the human eye. But apparently, according to Devlin, the, the mathematician at Stanford, when you do test them, and you do test them like across a bevy of other objects as well, they are yeah. measurably false. So oh, wow. I'm going to conclude with, by using Mr. Devlin's words himself, because he seems to be quite annoyed. <laughs> we, are good at, we are good pattern recognizers. We can see pattern regardless of whether it's there or not. In the end, it's all just visual thinking. <laughs> So he's just wow. banned everyone who thinks it. Don't hold back. People like this, you know, who have like such a, yeah, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just people who are like done with this shit. <laughs> like those yeah, are the ones. Like I've heard so, so many they probably immersed in it. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, a, that is the Fibonacci sequence and all the lies and truth about it. Who thought math hmm. would be so exciting? <laughs> I mean, well... It's, uh, it's, it's, it is interesting. And I think the way that you explained it was, was good enough for someone like me and you, <laughs> maybe not the math- mathematician, but for the vast majority of people, that's all they really need to know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it ain't it's not true. true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to yeah. take a little break and um, we're going to come back with the yeah. next fact. See you on the other side. Well, we hope you're enjoying listening to the episode, but we do have a small favor to ask of you. It's not very big. It's very small. Um, VRF is an independent podcast with no sponsors right now. We love making this podcast and want to keep doing it. So if you love us as much as we love doing this, do consider supporting through a small donation. Um either through our Instamojo link if you're in India or our PayPal link if you're abroad. You can find both of these on our Instagram bio or the show notes to the all the episodes as well. So no matter where you go, it follows. <laughs> so just look for those two links and do consider supporting us. On Instagram, we're at Barely Research Facts. 
And if you're not able to support us monetarily, we understand not everyone might be able to. You can still help us by rating the show and leaving us a review if you're listening to us on Spotify or iTunes. Um, it really does help. So thank you in advance for doing that. And we're back. Uh, so we took a little break and uh, now it's my turn to talk about cults. Let's go. <laughs> So we've been talking about numbers. Ragini's gone into uh, the Fibonacci sequence, as you did just heard. Um, I wanted to talk about Pythagoras. Do you remember him, Ragini? Do you remember him tormenting yes. us in school? And I remember him <laughs> so, from my episode on prank and his prank cup. Yes, his prank cup. Yeah. yeah. Well, go listen to that episode because that's actually quite cool. Um, it yeah. does humanize him a little bit because I'm going to trash his personality right now. <laughs> Wow. So I Pythagoras. Think also your fact only. So you're really like. Uh, it might have been. I'm. I'm a bit obsessed with him, mostly because yeah. <laughs> you know, who isn't with cult leaders and someone who thinks about even has the time to think about a prank cup. Like there's plague, <laughs> all sorts of like diseases and all sorts of things to worry about. Needless to say, all like all the things you're doing to trick your followers into believing what you're mm-hmm. saying, and he invents a prank cup. Because why not? So Pythagoras, if for anybody who doesn't happen to know who he is, he was a Greek person who thrived in the 6th century BC. Um, Not much is known about his life because paper perishes and word of mouth lives forever, apparently. Um, (laughs) But he might actually be a composite figure to whom the discoveries of many different people are attributed. And you'll find out why a little later. So it's not even known whether the Pythagorean theorem, which tormented all of us, well, not tormented so much, just is a part of our history in school, uh, was actually (laughs) discovered by him, whether it was or wasn't. So essentially what he did is he created a cult. He was worshipped as a demigod by his followers. They literally called him the divine Pythagoras. And um, they would, (laughs) and it wasn't just like, oh, you know, I started it yesterday and it finished tomorrow kind of cult. It lasted for up to 200 years, approximately 200 years. Which cult starts yesterday and finishes tomorrow? That's what I'm curious about. The ones you don't hear about, Ragini, that's that's (laughs) the ones. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All your insidious cult knowledge. Yeah, I mean, well, you know. Um, so they um, they would tell others that Pythagoras was the son of one of the gods, one of the many. You know, there's so many. Uh, usually Apollo or Hermes. The cult was part philosophy and part religion. And you're wondering now, when are we going to get to the numbers? Well, hold on. Hang on. We're going to get to the numbers. So um, they did worship Apollo. And in particular, the aspect of Apollo, who was... Um, he was like the god of the oracle of the temple of Delphi. So basically, just the ones who can grant your wishes. Just, I'm going to worship you because you, you know, you can, I don't know, give me a... I could get on board with that. Yeah. Better beard. That makes sense <laughs> Better <me>. beard than... <laughs> yeah. Simple man. Yeah, so there were songs of praise written to Pythagoras and his followers believed he had supernatural powers, probably because he was telling everyone he had supernatural powers. <laughs> Um, he could do things, he apparently could do things like speak to animals and animals could speak to him. He had the ability to tame eagles and bears by petting them. So, <laughs> I mean, the power of the pet, eh? Hmm. Um, so Aristotle wrote that he was supposed to have had a golden thigh and that he displayed it at the Olympic Games. Um, he also once showed... <laughs> 
like he he wasn't shy about his golden thigh. He <laughs> also once showed. I heard that right for a second. <laughs> I mean, with the Victorian <laughs> ladies, it was their ankles. <laughs> with Pythagoras, it was his thigh. Here's my thigh. <laughs> Have it. <laughs> So he was also once he also once showed his golden thigh to a priest who gave him a magical arrow that allowed him to travel long distances. Is it just me or does that sound vaguely sexual? <laughs> like I don't know. Also, it just does not connect to me. Like I'm just like, oh, I'll show you my thigh. Okay, here take an arrow. Go far it's away. It's golden dragon. This is like stop showing me a thigh. Go away. <laughs> Here's an arrow. Here's an arrow. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> so um, the. This cult had like a significantly ridiculous amount of rules that the the followers had to adhere to. For starters, all new members had to keep a vow of silence for five years. And this obviously, like it sounds fishy, like, you know, obviously the new ones who would have the most tro- problems with the cult until they were indo- indoctrinated were told to just like, Shh, keep quiet. <laughs> so that was that. And then all sexual relations were discouraged but if you had to you could only do it in the winter never the summer <laughs> i mean Why? this just well because pythagoras didn't like sweaty sex ragini he liked to do it in the winter so he was like nobody else will either and was, um and then you couldn't break bread with your hands and you couldn't stir fire with iron i mean i guess the break bread thing is a bit weird but maybe there was some logic of some kind to starting a fire with iron iron who knows um and um they were all also stipulated to be vegetarians and um they you know pythagoras obviously put this in place because apparently animals were former human souls so yeah. that's not you know that's believable in that time completely believable but in addition to meat <laughs> cult members were also not allowed to eat or touch beans poor <laughs> hmm. guy you are vegetarian vegetarian silent only sex in the winter <laughs> if you had to even eat beans only if you had if to, you had to. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently pythagoras <laughs> Yeah, oh thank god he's gone. <laughs> um so Pythagoras about he could also come back though. One could argue he could come oh, back yeah. as quickly. Yeah. So <laughs> um Pythagoras believed that fava beans contained the souls of the dead. Also, you couldn't eat them because they resulted in flatulence and when you passed gas, you lost part of your soul. <laughs> oh, also when you pass gas, you lost the soul that has come in the power of being. I was like, obviously, man, poor guy wants to get out of there. No, you lost your own soul from the farts, mm. from the endless okay. farts. I think they were just in a cave, and Pythagoras was like, "I've, yeah, I've okay. had it with these farts, especially and you, Jeff." Beans now. It's disgusting. <laughs> no beans for everyone. Yeah. So anyway, so there was hypocrisy to it because Pythagoras was known to have seen <laughs> to be eating meat and he would pass it off as uh, you know, someone would say, "Well, you're eating meat right now." And um he'd just be like, "Well, I killed it before I ate it. So it's dead now and it's fine." <laughs> Which is, you know, it's it's like, you know when you're like um fighting with a kid with another kid when you are a kid you're fighting with another kid on the playground yeah. and you like playground insults it sounds a bit like that where he's just yeah. like well i killed it it's not alive anymore there you go it's my back <laughs> i'll do the batting yeah 
what soul or we are meeting it there's no soul <laughs> like, you know just like um so now they did it there was i've come to finally i have come to the numbers bit of this fact <laughs> so mathematics was quite um it wasn't an integral part but it was part of the spiritual ethos of the of the cult and uh, they didn't practice it to solve for you know the the problems in the universe or to solve uh, to make for solutions they just did it because they just did it this is why 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 are you not eating fava beans because you know um because so mathematics to the pythagoreans was geometry and natural counting numbers and um they would engage in mathematics as a spiritual exercise but not really to solve any practical problems um and they had they had an interesting system of attributing specific like at um, properties mystical properties to numbers 1 through 10 so like one symbolized unity and the origin of all things um two was a symbolic of female the female principle three was for male and when you added two and three it made five which was for marriage they did think that Ooh. one through <laughs> <laughs> um i mean it wasn't that much of a reach i could figure it out so you know um what is four but, uh, four represented justice oh. so before marriage was justice yeah justice before marriage um and then um the most perfect number was 10 because 10 was equal to 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 so so so, so unity one, one, one plus one, male one, plus female plus justice so it was like oh. Oh. what more could you desire <laughs> yeah <laughs> so anyway so i'm not going to go through all of that cuz i don't know if there's any merit to any of that um but they were also um fascinated by the presence of numbers in the natural world so their perhaps their most spectacular discovery was that musical harmony is related to simple whole number ratios so let me try and explain so a string like on a, on any kind of musical instrument produces a note with a particular pitch so a string half as long as that particular string on an instrument produces an extremely harmonious note to the first now called an octave a string two thirds as long produces the next harmonious note note now called the fifth and one three fourths as long and one three fourths as long produces the fourth which is also very harmonious so essentially they just noticed that aesthetically pleasing music or music that was at least pleasing to the ears came from these very real uh, whole number ratios um so they discovered these facts empirically by experimenting with strings of different lengths so there was like some kind of like process that went into it apart from yeah. not eating fava beans um <laughs> So today these harmonies are traced to the physics of vibrating strings which moves in which move in patterns of waves the number of waves that can fit into a given length of string is a whole number and these whole numbers determine the simple numerical ratios so there are there was science behind it they did notice something that was valuable and like you know like the article that uh, I took my research um, off of states it was quite spectacular um yeah and when when they don't form a whole number ratio what happens do you ask uh, it's just it sounds discordant it sounds unpleasant wow. <laughs> yeah um so yeah similar. so it yeah it is isn't it cuz uh, yeah. yeah i mean at least you know they were crazy but they like a broken clock is right twice in a day right so they <laughs> <laughs> had to have something so <laughs> all of this later led the german astronomer johann kepler who 
if you've heard of Kepler, yes. we had a bit of a geek gasm over him in one of our previous yeah. episodes, Revolution. Mm-hmm. Or was it, uh, was it Sun? <laughs> uh, who had the, had the no James Webb had the had the solar sheet right yeah it was more, it was after the Kepler telescope so it was like a better version revolution of the Kepler telescope was an episode of on revolution yeah so um, yeah. yeah go give that uh, if you want give that a listen if you want to hear one of us maybe me maybe Ragini geek out <laughs> so Johann Kepler it alerted him to the concept of the music of the spheres it's a kind of heavenly harmony in which the planets effectively produce tunes as they moved across wow. the heavens so wow. um, oh, that's beautiful also yeah so it was influential in establishing many different like you know that there is some kind of order in the cosmos and um that eventually led isaac newton to discover the law of gravity so um in the end it's a happy story because yeah. <laughs> other even people though, made good of it yeah even though pythagoras was crazy he was a crazy man um <laughs> he was free of flatulence <laughs> not free of hypocrisy <laughs> Uh, but did contribute to some important discoveries. Yes. We don't know of here. Yeah, he might have been eating, like, stuffing his face with fava beans on the side, just like using his arrow, leaving far away, going far away to fart and come back. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Flashing his golden hair on the place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that'd be like creep in the days of the Greek, of the ancient Greeks. (laughs) A Greek creep. Okay, but very quickly. So, I was, you know, we talked about a prime conspiracy. Yes. Yeah. Very quickly. Mostly very quickly because there's very little of this that I've actually understood, but I will power through. This fact, I do have to say, I have asked so many people to explain this article to me. So, I feel like just on account of how not badly researched this fact is, it, it, is, it deserves a special mention. But, yeah. so, two mathematicians have uncovered uh, this a previously unnoticed property of prime numbers. Now, prime numbers are basically numbers that are divisible by themselves or one. That's it, right? We all know that. We all went to school. Everyone knows that. Uh, But it does seem that prime numbers have decided preferences about the final digits of of the numbers of primes that will follow them. So, I will explain. Basically... According to their study, in the first billion prime numbers, a prime ending in 9 is almost 65% more likely to be followed by a prime ending in 1 than another prime ending in 9. Okay, so right, the two okay. mathematicians, uh, Kanan Saundara Rajan and Robert Lemke Oliver of Stanford University. Stanford University seems to be really killing it in this episode. Uh, also, I just have they, to point out that you stumbled with the Indian name, but didn't. <laughs> I flew through the. You and I noticed that. <laughs> Sound the Raj. Sorry, Ragini. I had. Say it, I had before someone else pointed it out. <laughs> <laughs> I got very defensive over that for a second. I was like, come on, you say this. Uh, right, Soundrajan. Okay. So they basically, pre- no, that is not how you say it. First of all, I just, <laughs> Soundrajan. I got it correct. Right, okay. Apologies, yeah. Ragini, continue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so they present, I mean, they presented evidence to show that prime numbers repel other would-be primes that end in the same digit. And they have 
varied predilections for being followed by primes ending in other possible final digits. So primes have a very specific liking for some primes that end in certain numbers and they absolutely dislike other primes that end in other numbers. And especially if a prime ends in the same number as that prime ends in, they will just not hang out. They're like, no thanks. Yeah. 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 You can't sit with me. So Mm -hmm. this is the prime conspiracy. Now, it does seem to be, you know, uh, that you would imagine that, okay, you know, prime numbers are barring, say, 2 and 5, but that only occurs once in the entire prime sequence. Otherwise, most prime numbers end in 1, 3, 7, or 9. So, you know, if a number is ending in 9, it's likely that the next prime will be a 1 or a 3 or a 7. It's unlikely that it's going to go all the way up to a 9 again. Fair, right? But that's only when you do it in a 10-base system. Now, a 10-base system is is the number system that we use, which is 1, 2, 3, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And then, you know, we repeat a digit. So then you go to 10, 11, 12, right? So that's the 10 base. Now, but if you do it in any other base, so for example, if you do it in a in a three base, which is just zero, one, two, and then zero. So ten base is this, then you know you have binary. We all know what bi- like computers use binary codes. Yeah. So you have zero and one, and then and then ternary, which is the three base, is zero, one, two. Okay, and if so, when they've tested it in a three base, and there is a whole complicated calculation that you need to do in order to convert a prime number into a three base. I'm not getting into it because mostly it. It really flew, a lot of this flew over my head. But my friend Anand, who has specifically mm-hmm. asked me to shout out at him at this episode, he was saying, dude, I deserve citation. Which he does. Because how much you harassed him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't get this. So he sent me like, very, he sent me links and all like to, um, I still yeah. didn't get most of it, but at least I understood what a, what a three basis. Um, yeah. But basically, even when they, when they tested it out in a three base and other bases, this, this quality does seem to repeat itself. Where prime numbers will decidedly not follow a prime that ends in the same number as itself. So it just it just seems right, to okay. help this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is apparently something that no one had discovered until recently. I think this was a study that happened in 2016. Uh, they, they discovered this in 2016. Um, but yeah, uh, nobody really knows what it meant. In 2016, at least, it was kind of a recent study so you know you didn't really know this was like an isolated peculiarity or whether you just had to keep going closer they did go up to a billion the first billion primes though so they were able to see it sustained that far Jeez. Uh, wow. but now that yeah uh, and now that uh, you know now that they know this you don't know what other aliens possibilities wonders i, I think aliens around prime numbers yeah <laughs> it alien <laughs> or who knows it might be just disproved like the like Ragni disproved the golden ratio yeah <laughs> or what was his name Adolf 100 years down in, in like yeah in the year 3000 when Ragni and Shah in oh, that time yeah, it'll be us. research facts because that will still be going on we will put our generations <laughs> of children onto it uh, they will oh, be debunking gosh. it yeah. Well, I think we are definitely at the end of our episode now. Ragini, <laughs> yeah. are we all good? We at the end? <laughs> yes, yeah. I think we've had hit the end. Okay. So we hope you've enjoyed <laughs> so, the episode, guys. This was really fun. Yes, Sorry, and really I want to end... Say something. Yes, I did want to end with just this one tiny, tiny little droplet of a fact. A fear Ooh. of the number 666, which is the number of the beast, is called hexakosoi hexaconta hexaphobia. That's one word. Even though I paused, it's <laughs> yeah. one word. I did uh, pause. There was it was nothing. It was just me looking at the word, wondering, <laughs> wondering what. But yeah, that's how the episode. I say that? <laughs> Woo. 
wow, we did really well with this. Well, that, yeah, that was a fun episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I did. It was quite a, it was quite a revealing episode for me. Puzzling, uh, revealing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Confusing for a lot of the part as well, <laughs> I think. At least in the research. Uh, okay, so before we end though, those of you who have been following us regularly probably know by now that our parent company, Art Now Thus, has an incredible long-form content culture newsletter where we cover every little interesting topic we come across with a team of writers. Uh, probably relevant is the coolest new newsletter on the block. It's where you can hang out to get a fabulous monthly dose of every interesting thing we can scour in the entire universe. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> but you can sign up for it via our website. We're at www.artnowthus.in or you can hit the link in our bio on Instagram. We're at Belly Research Facts there. Also, drop us a follow if you haven't already on Instagram. Uh, we do a lot of fun behind the scenes. There are a lot of facts that are as barely researched, but don't make it to the episode. Um, and as always, our episode was edited by Mohit Chandelier. Music for the podcast is by Charata Arora. If you would like to write for the newsletter, also drop us an email. And we will see you next time with a brand new word in a couple of weeks. Bye, guys. See you guys. Mm-hmm.